Welcome to the Fearless Church Podcast. We want to be fearless followers of Jesus that believe in the strength that community brings. We refuse to hide our fears and failures. We believe that we must go and take new ground in our faith. And we believe that there's no halfway in following Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the journey to becoming Fearless Church. Man, I'm so excited that you're here today. Where we are in the life of our church, one of my favorite verses that I use a lot and that really has moved me personally is this verse right here. It says, now glory to God. (laughs) Don't miss that. It's all about God. It's not about a person. It's not about a church name. It's not even about a strategy. It's all glory to God who is able, what does it say? According to his mighty power. The multiplication movement that we believe God is calling us to be a part of is according to God's power, not according to what we can or cannot do. Man, God's power is limitless. And, and, and he goes on and he says that he's able to do infinitely more than all that we ask or imagine. Now, I want you to personalize that. Do you believe that about you? What is it that you dream about? That you think, oh man, if, if nothing was impossible, I would go do this, I'd be part of that. Like when I challenge you to pray about being part of a church and you're like, dude, it's my first Sunday here. Like, do you think God could use you to help start a church? Do you think God could use you to reach your neighbor? Do you think God could use you to reach your spouse, your kids, somebody at work? Do you think God, whatever you're dreaming, this kind of verse says, dude, it's infinitely more, abundantly more, exceedingly more than all that you're dreaming and all that you're praying. Listen, one of the famous quotes Jesus said, he said this, he said, look, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Can you imagine the Son of God, Jesus, looking at you saying, I chose you. And let me tell you why I chose you. I chose you to appoint you. Jesus, to appoint me to do what? <laughs> to go and bear fruit. To go and share the good news of the gospel in words and in actions and, and, and go and make a difference in this world, not just for the temporal world, but for the eternal world. That your work, God looks at you and he says, I want, to, I want you to be part of doing something extraordinary and eternal, have an impact and an influence that's way more than you can imagine. And what I think happens, it happens in my heart and I'm just gonna project it onto your hearts. I think this happens. We read something like this and we go, oh, well, that's, uh, that's not me. I guess <laughs> that's cool, pastor. I mean, I, I like when you yell. It keeps me awake, which is kind of good. But like, that's not me. That's not me. Like, dude, you don't know my past. You don't know what I'm struggling with right now. Like if my life, if we're talking about spiritual stuff, most of my life is just marked with failure and weakness. And you're sitting here rolling up here saying God would choose me. I wouldn't choose me, let alone choose me and appoint me to go make a difference for his kingdom. No way. Or some of you are a little farther along. You might say, well, all right, maybe, but why me? Doesn't, doesn't Jesus know like how messed up I am? Doesn't he know how little I know about the Bible, how I've been following Jesus for a number of years, but let's just be honest, like I'm still in the potty training phase of following Jesus. Like I don't, doesn't he understand? And let me tell you something, Jesus knows, Jesus knows how messed up I am, how weak I am, how messed up you are, weak you are, because here's the deal. Jesus knows it all along because you and I, we're his fixer upper. 
Very first house I bought, right? Hearst, <laughs> it felt that way at times. Very first house I bought was a foreclosure. And we walk in there, and, and, and I, don't, you know, I don't know if this is common or not, but our foreclosure, the people were clearly mad. They were in foreclosures once, so there's holes in walls, there's appliances not there, there's stuff on the carpet. I don't know what it was, right? And we're just like, man, what is going on? And so, like, of course, I walk in as a visionary. I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. My wife's like, oh, she's throwing up in the backyard. I'm like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I just want you to know, the way Jesus sees your life and my life, he doesn't just get focused on who we are today and our failures and our weaknesses and all the stuff wrong with our life. He sees what we will be, what we can be when he works in and through our lives. And don't miss this. Jesus loves you. Do not miss this. Please listen. Jesus loved you just the way you are, flaws and all. He doesn't love a better version of you. He loves you, but he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's in the renovation, restoration, rebuilding, transformation business. We are his fixer-uppers. And friends, it's not a project that he begroans and hates to do. He loves it. He shows up and he says, oh man, I want to do a mighty work in and through that person's life. I think so many times, so many times we don't realize that, that we are God's masterpiece. You, you are God's masterpiece. His craftsmanship. God wants to do something in you through Jesus Christ so that he uses you to do good works, good things, amazing things, miraculous things that he planned long ago for you. Things he wants to do in and through your life. And I think so many times we think, no, dude, man, I, <laughs> there's no way God wants somebody like me. So, in fact, some of you have said this before, but I, I, I can't be right with God because in order to be right with God, you gotta be perfect. You know what? If you believe that, you're right. Look what Jesus said. He said, you got to be perfect. There it is right there. Just as your heavenly father is perfect. You're like, oh, there we go. So I'm clearly a fixer-upper. So what, what do I do with this? We start to get discouraged. Even the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, look, all of us are sin. We all fall short of that standard. God's standard is perfection, yet none of us are perfect. So what do we do? We feel hopeless. We feel helpless. And this is the gospel. Don't miss this. In this same letter to Rome, listen to what Paul says. He says, look, while we were utterly helpless, while we were utterly hopeless, while we were at this point that realized I'm not a new house, I'm a definite fixer-upper, while we realized we weren't perfect, what happened? Not us, but Christ came at just the right time. And who did he die for? Sinners. He didn't die for perfect people. He didn't die for people that got it all together. So if you're hoping that's what it takes, two sentences later, he says it from a different angle. He said, God, oh, excuse me, God, the Father, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to do what? While we were yet sinners. Don't miss this. When Jesus redeemed you, when he saved you, when he chose you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when he's pursuing you, he knows what he's getting. He knows he's getting a fixer-upper. Again, he loves you just the way you are, flaws and all, but he wants to rebuild restore, redeem, and transform us. He wants to remodel our lives. So God's remodeling process, there's three phases, just like any construction project, right? Phase one is this, justification. It's a big Bible word. Justification is this legal declaration, a legal binding declaration that says anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for them on the cross, that he is the son of God and his death, his burial, his resurrection is the only thing, the only act in the history of all the world that can make somebody right with God. When anybody puts faith in Jesus like that, 
they are completely justified. Preachers like to say it this way. They're justified in such that it's just as if you have never sinned. God looks at you, he looks at me, and he sees us as completely righteous. We are justified, we are saved from the penalty of sin. And once you're justified, you're always justified. That's phase one. Phase two is this process of sanctification. This means to be set apart or to be made holy. This is a lifelong process where we begin to learn to think, act, and be like Jesus. It's this process that we're growing in and becoming like Christ if you're a follower of Christ. The final phase, no one in this room's applied yet, is glorification, construction complete. This is when you're completely saved. It occurs when we die or Christ returns. It occurs when we are rescued and ultimately saved from all sin and death. In other words, we no longer experience death. We no longer experience sorrow. We no longer experience pain. We no longer experience sin. We're completely saved at glorification in Christ's return or our death. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, or I would say this way, even if you're thinking about following Jesus, this is important for you to listen and know. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in phase two. You're in the process of sanctification. Sanctification is like a remodeling process where there's removal and replacement. It's our whole life of God removing things out of my life, removing things out of your life that don't look like Jesus at all. So he may say, oh, here's dishonesty. That's been a part of your life. I'm gonna rip that out of your life. And sometimes it's real easy. It's, there was a prayer and God convicted me. Other times you get caught and after some time in jail or something crazy, all of a sudden he uses a tough experience to rip that out of your life. And then he says, now I'm gonna replace it with honesty. He takes away impurity and replaces it with purity. He continues to remove and replace parts of our life. And it's this long journey. Now, my question for you is this. When it comes to this process of sanctification, when it comes to this process of removal and replacement, are you working with God? Are you working against God? See, some days I go to sleep and I'll be honest with you, I feel like, man, honestly, I think I did it good today. Like, I think I'm trying to align my life with God and I feel like I'm working with God as he's trying to remove things and replace things in my life. As he's trying to help me think, act, and be more like Jesus, I feel like I'm working with him. There's other days I go to sleep and I think, what's wrong with me? All day long, I'm fighting God. And it's not because I'm ignorant about it. Like, I've, I've been following Jesus long enough. I know enough about the Bible that I'm like, man, there's just some stuff I feel like Jesus is like, I want to change this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I like this. It, I don't care that it doesn't look like you. This is what I like to do. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel strong, whatever it is. And it's this constant process. So I want to ask you, when it comes to this phase in the remodeling process, are you working with God or are you working against God? And that's what this series is all about. The Fixer Upper series is all about us stepping in and saying, you know what, instead of working against God, we're gonna start working with God. And so what I wanna look at for just a couple of minutes is one sentence, one sentence from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. These are new believers that live in the city of Philippi in Philippians chapter two at the very end of 12. We'll start there. And it's just one sentence. And it's this sentence right here. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So let's take a couple minutes and let's dissect this, right? He starts out, work out. Don't miss this. It's not work for. We don't work for. We don't earn our salvation by doing enough good stuff. Remember, while we were yet sinners, God knows you're a fixer-upper. So don't play this game of, I'll get my life together and then I'll come to Jesus. No, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We are, we are stuck in the remodel or need to be remodeled fixer-upper phase, right? And so we don't work for our salvation, we work from our salvation. 
This workout term in the original Greek is this process to bring something to full completion. To bring something to full completion. And so it means that we're gonna work out what Christ is working in us. We're gonna grow in our faith. It's this process, uh, theologians call, call it uh, progressive sanctification. And progressive sanctification just means that you and I are making progress. We're making progress in believing, behaving, and becoming like Jesus. And, and notice what Paul says. He says, work out, and I do this in my own Bible. I underline or circle phrases like these just to remind me. It's work out your own salvation. In other words, you've got to be responsible. You've got to be responsible for your own spiritual growth. You can't pawn that off on somebody else. Like you're not going to get to heaven and stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, well, the reason I'm not very strong is because of Chris Williams wasn't a good pastor. And Jesus is like, I know he wasn't that great of a pastor, but that's your job to grow in your faith. He told you you're not staying very long. You're supposed to get out of there. You stayed too long, right? <laughs> I don't know what he's going to, I don't know what Jesus is going to say. But seriously, like we've got to own our own spiritual growth. The person next to you, the person next to you doesn't, you've got to own the sanctification process. And he goes on, and he says, look, it's with fear and trembling. And those words are weird when you read them in the Bible. This reverence and awe that we have. Why would we have a reverence and awe as we're working out our salvation? Because we realize there's nothing we can do to grow apart from God's work. This is Paul's point. He says, the reason we work out our salvation is and work as if it all depends on us with fear and trembling, with reverence and awe is because it's God who works in us. The apostle Paul says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, only God causes the growth. And so we realize if God doesn't work in my life, if the power of God doesn't work in my life, I'll never beat this addiction. I'll never stop this sin cycle. I'll never take that step of faith that he wants me to do. Without God working, without him working, I can't do it. But Paul also says, but you, you gotta work too. It's, it's both and. You've gotta work and, and trust God to work in you. But don't forget this, don't forget this. Justification, sanctification, glorification, every step in the remodeling process is a work of God's grace. In fact, Paul said it this way, the church in Ephesus, by grace, that means unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. Let me just drive this home for a minute. That means God knows everything about you, past, present, and future. And he looks at you knowing everything about you, and he says, I still want you. I still want you. And so by his grace, you have been saved through faith. When we experience God's grace, it leads us to faith. And when we have that faith, we experience God's grace. It's like this cycle of, of man, as God shows me who Jesus is, I respond in grace, believing who he is and believing that he can transform my life. And I experience that grace. And then he says, look, this is not of your own doing. It's not something you and I do, even though Paul says, work out our own salvation. He says, realize this whole growth process is ultimately a gift from God. Not something we earn, not something we deserve, not something we can brag about. So at the end of your remodeling process and glorification, a sign doesn't go out and say, look, this house was built by Chris Williams. No. In the front, it says this was a completely remodeled, rebuilt, restored, redeemed project of God for his glory. It's God's grace through justification, sanctification, and through glorification. And we cannot forget that it's God who does the work. Now watch this last part, both to will and to work. To will is talking about our desires. So as we work out our salvation, God actually transforms and changes our desires. 
And we can't let our desires drive us because what happens is, is we're working out our salvation. You may say, and we're gonna talk about this in a few weeks, that reading God's word on a regular basis is one of those things that we need to do to work out our salvation. And you may say, well, I'll read God's word when I want to. Well, guess when that's gonna happen? Never, right? You may do it for a day, you may do it for a week, but you're gonna come up with an excuse. At some point, you have to work out that salvation trusting that eventually God will give you the desire. I have a friend in Texas, his name's Josiah. And Josiah is one of those friends that you love to hate. He's got like 2% body fat, right? And I just look at him and say, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, muscles everywhere. He played college baseball, whatever. And, and I asked Josiah, I'm like, what's going on? Like, how in the world do you, you know, what do I need to do to look like that? Does it involve pizza and couch? No, apparently not. And he's like, here's the deal. He goes, Chris, yeah, I do work out. But he said, I've about three or four times in my life since I graduated college, I've had these phases where I got out of shape and then got into shape. And he said, believe it or not, most of my physical fitness involves what I eat. 80 to 85%. He said, that's what I really believe. It's what I eat. And so he, he told me, he said, but here's something funny. I have to eat right for six to nine months before my body actually craves healthy food. That's when I was out, by the way. I was like, eh. but that's a different story. Six to nine months. And, and, it's great. And this is the same way spiritually. Like there are things we have to do spiritually like you're doing today, showing up to church, whether you want to or not. You're doing these spiritual things because you say, I may not have the desire, but I'm trusting that as I work out my salvation, God will change my will. He'll change my desire. And eventually, oh man, I've experienced eventually you can't wait to get alone with God. And you begin to read God's word and you open it up and it's like he's sitting right there with you and you just, like you gotta set an alarm because, because you'll run out of time because you just, it's all of a sudden three minutes is not enough, 30 minutes is not enough, an hour is not enough. Brothers and sisters, I've experienced this, but, but there's that front end of we gotta work this out before he changes our desire and then to work means our ability or our strength to do what pleases him. Like some of us, you wonder, man, can I grow enough to actually start obeying God in all these areas of my life? And the answer is yes. As we work out our salvation, he changes both our desires and our ability to do all the things he's called us to do, to stop those sin cycles, to break those addictions, to forgive the person we don't wanna forgive, to do all these things we don't wanna do. He changes our desire and gives us the ability. Friends, when it comes to phase two, sanctification, when it comes to that process, it is both us and God. Are we working with God or against God? Paul would say it this way. Look, don't neglect your responsibility. Like what you can control is this top part. I'm gonna work out my salvation. I'm gonna work as if it all depends on me, realizing the second part. It's God who works in you. Realizing it's all God's power. In fact, that's the way I would say it is this. Like work as if it all depends on you while realizing it all depends on God. And which part of that statement is toughest for you? Because we struggle in different areas. Some people, when it comes to your spiritual life and vitality, you're like, well, I'm just passive. I'm just gonna sit on the sideline. And if God wants to grow me and make me more like Jesus, I'll just kind of sit here and hopefully it'll magically happen in my heart. Or are you on the pride end where you say, no, 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 no. If I'm not rowing, I'm not growing. It's me. Like, I'm gonna do it all. I'll become religious enough. I'll, I'll do enough religious activity. It's all me. Look at what I can do. I stopped that sin. I started that faithful act. Whatever it is, and you neglect realizing it. It's all, all dependent upon God's power. So ultimately, what does this do? What does this look like to work out our own salvation? First, any renovation, before you start the renovation, and you've discovered this, any of you that have ever renovated a project, it's the reason why that first day you get in your car and go to Home Depot and Lowe's is because you've got to get the right tools. 
You've got to get the right tools. And don't miss this. The right tools is what this series is all about. So please come back next Sunday. If you can't be here because it's Mother's Day, that's okay. I challenge you to set your alarm sometime and set an appointment for yourself sometime on your phone that the following week, maybe a Tuesday night, whatever it is, you'll watch the message because we got to get the right tools and then we got to learn how to use the tools. And so throughout the month of May, we're going to have practical practice. We're just going to say, okay, if this is the stuff or if this is the tools that helps me work out my salvation, I'm going to practice them. And then the final one, and this is the most important and the most difficult. I think some of us will stop right here, but a few of you will go to number three. And this is not fun, but it is transformational is you got to do the work. That's Paul's point. You got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence and awe, saying, man, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna stop giving excuses why I cannot get strong spiritually and healthy spiritually. No, no more. Passivity dies today. I'm moving forward and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna do the work. Having cool tools are useless if we don't use them. They can hang up in the garage. Look at all these cool tools. Look at how I, I know how to grow spiritually. We'll pull it off the dang wall and get to work, right? Like that's what we're called to do because we gotta remember in God's remodeling process, in God's remodeling process, we have to work as if it all depends on us, realizing it all depends on him. Let me tell you something. When Jesus chose you, he knew what he was getting. A fixer-upper that he's so excited. This is what I imagine. I imagine Jesus with all the angels of heaven saying, come over here, come over here. Here's another one. Oh, this one over here. This is my favorite fixer-upper. Because if they'll work with me, the things I want to do in and through their life, oh man, all of heaven will rejoice what I want to do in and through that guy. What I want to do in and through that young mom, in and through that student, oh man, if they'll work with me, I'll work in them and through them in, in infinitely more than all they can imagine type of ways. What would it be for you? What would it be for you online if you stopped working against God and all of a sudden you said, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm going to start working with God. What could he do in and through your life? If you worked as if it all depended on you, realize it all depends on God. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. If you're looking for a practical, fun way to spend time as a family with Jesus at the center, we have an amazing opportunity for you. This summer, Fearless Church will be hosting Fearless Family Camp, June 11th through 13th at Camp Bahalo in Michigan. To find out more and to register, go to events.befearless.org. Here at Fearless Church, we believe that every message is a chance for us to take new ground in our walks with Jesus. To help you in that direction, we have some discussion questions in our podcast notes that you can think through on your own, or even better, talk through with some friends, a family member, or a spouse. In those notes, we've also included information on our service times and location, as well as what you need to know about our precautions for COVID-19. We hope you will join us again soon on the Fearless Church Podcast.